0: The true impact of Christ in a person's life is intended not just for a moment, but for a lifetime. The impact is called the awakened life. Stay tuned to this message to discover how to live the awakened life. Take your Bible and turn to 2 Samuel chapter 11. You're, you're much more joyous than was the first service. I think they'd already read the text. 2 Samuel chapter 11, you may have as well. But I need to travel down a path with you before we get into 2 Samuel 11, and I need to, need to hear this. This is a dark world. Why is it a dark world? Look at the quote on the screen I wanna give you. I wrote this as well. The existence of darkness is fueled by people who desire to propagate the darkness. You and I are living in a time where people's sole purpose is to exploit us through the darkness. That's how they live their lives. If you read the book that I wrote, you came across a quote that I gave you from, from Lucky Luciana, who in the 1920s was with the mob, and they were asking him why was he selling alcohol that was illegal? Why was he gambling and selling drugs? Here's what he said, it's not my fault. People wanted to gamble, and they, they wanted booze, and they wanted drugs, and so all that we did was provided them what they wanted. Now, friend, listen to me. That's the society that we live in today. If it feels good, what? And what we find today is this, that the world is getting darker. But now watch, there's our obstacle. But the opportunity is this, that when light meets darkness, John chapter 8 and verse 12, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. He who follows after me will not walk in darkness. Now, here's the thing. If we have come to know Christ, hallelujah, we have a witness We have a word. We have the light of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we can reach down into the darkness, as with 44 kids this week, and see them change and see them go home and plead with moms and dads, hey, I want to go to church because they different over there. And that's the way it needs to be. But here is an obstacle that we have. There is the problem that you and I have that's not often addressed. Just before he died, Tim Keller said it one more time. The problem in America today is that churches have ceased calling sin, sin. That is the problem in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. You say, well, I don't know what church they go to, but there ain't no problem over where I go. Well, I want to tell you, you need to celebrate the work of Almighty God that he does that in this place. But we're not the only one who does that as well. But today, I want you to know this. I want you to hear this. When you come to know Christ, Galatians 2 and 20 has been our theme all year long, no longer I. It is no longer I live, but it's Christ who lives in me. And then there's that little phrase, the, the life I now live. You see, in position, when you come to know Christ, you are now right before God. But now watch the rest of your life. Here is the problem that you did not hear about. This is the part that you missed. All you heard was what we sang at the early part, which is true, that you don't want to go to hell. You want to go to heaven. So you pray this prayer. And in theology of our day, we say, okay, I'm good to go. So I don't need this book anymore because I found out the main thing. If I know the main thing and I know the plot, I don't need anything else in the book. Well, why was the rest of the book given? Jesus did not die so I would not go to hell. He died so that I would not go to hell and so that I'd live and watch on my way to heaven as if I'm heaven now already there. But the problem is is this, and this is going to be hard. There's so much inside of us that has not been converted yet to Christ. I want you to hear that again. There's some things inside of us that are not converted to Christ. With that said, we come now closer to our message. David was that young man when we first found him in 1 Samuel chapter 16 that God set aside, did he not, to be the king. He's gone through a lot. He's a worshiper of God. He's surrendered his life to God and the fact that he is saved. He has the spirit of God. Now, he's saved and we see him surrendered. We see him spirit-filled. That's how the process works. And every time that David sinned against God, what would David do? David would just confess. God would forgive him. We find, for example, in Psalm Psalm chapter 5, I I wrote this down, I'm gonna give it to you. Psalm 5 and 7, written by David, David said this, because of your unfailing love, I can enter your house. I will worship at your temple with deepest awe. In Psalm 103 and 10, he said this, God does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities." David had made mistakes. He ran to the cross, knowing it was coming, God forgave him, and he kept going forward. But now watch this, there was still something unconverted in him. You say, Pastor, I'm not following you right now. Here is the the crux of where I am at this moment. The reason that darkness is continuing to be fueled is because in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, we are allowing that darkness to penetrate our lives because we are are converted, we think, but we're really not surrendering because there are parts of our lives that remain unconverted. I believe with all my heart, I'm speaking to folks in this room, that sin is crushing you as a believer, and because of that, it is robbing us of our influence. You see, Hollywood no longer fears to put what they want to on television because listen to me, the majority of people who said they are believers now will turn it on. I told someone yesterday we were talking about how they had a hard time watching something, they were start, I said, Well, now here's an option for you. This is a strange uh, turn it off. You say, What do you mean? Turn it off. But listen to me, not only Hollywood, but everything that we take into us today, we find ourselves that we're unconverted. And in David's life, there's a part of his life that I've got to tell you today that I've dreaded for four months. David, in one area, was living a double life. In one area of his life, he was living a double life. Michael Caldwell said this to me. And he said it a few minutes ago, he, he, he is a director of our educational process and leads one of our, our community groups. He said this, that David, when he sinned with Bathsheba, probably, now watch this. He probably, he, he was probably hurting really bad. Let's see if I can remember it exactly. He was hurting really bad in his life. And then Michael said this, that he's going to ask his community group. He said, aren't there some things that you want to tell people like David? But then the thing that you got me that touched my heart the deepest. he said this. And aren't there some things that you wish somebody would ask you about? Aren't there some things that you just wish that somebody would ask you about? Today, what I'm going to do is to look at the toughest moment of his life, an overview. We're going to look at there. They're going to identify the problem. We're going to find that there's a solution to the problem. And I'm going to ask you to invest in in, in the solution. That's all I'm going to do. We're going to identify the problem. We're going to look at the solution. And we're gonna, I'm going to ask you to invest. That's all we're going to do. And then when we come to the end, we're going to see what God's going to do and what you're going to do. So let's identify a problem. David had a problem. He said, what was this problem? Let's look in the Bible. Chapter 11, verse 1. The Scripture says it was the spring of the year. Now, Pastor Chris had spoken two weeks ago about Mephibosheth. Remember how, how David had showed him kindness. 17 years have passed. Chapter 10 shows all of his works. F.B. Myers said this, everything that David touched, God blessed Listen to me, just because God's blessing doesn't mean that there's something that, that in your life that's not unconverted. God gives mercy, Romans 2 and 4. God gives mercy to our lives. I know that in my own life, that God gives us mercy as we're working through sanctification. Now watch what it says here. David sent Joab and his servants with him in all Israel. Friend, let me ask you, do you ever just get tired of good things? Do you ever just get tired of doing the work of God and the will of God? David, for 17 years, had been leading the nation. And now, for some reason, they said, as they ravaged the Amorites and besieged Robin because every spring, they wouldn't battle in the wintertime because there was too much rain. It would be in the spring of the year. They all would do their battle. They're increasing their territory. What's happening is this, that David was conquering what God had told Moses to do. So he has much more work to do. And friend, I want to tell you, when you got saved, that was the beginning of the work. Paul said, Philippians 2, 13 and 14, that you're to work out your salvation that God's worked in. You're to be at work with God. That's why that we need you to be in discipleship of this church. You need to be in a Sunday school or a connect group or community. You need to be more than Sunday morning because you can't work it out with me. I just stir you up to know you need to work it out. And so I'm promising you that you've got to get involved with us. So here David was. The Bible says he remained in Jerusalem. It happened late one afternoon. David arose from his couch and was walking on the roof of the king's house. Then he saw from the roof a woman bathing. And the woman was beautiful. Now watch this. David was loafing. He saw something he shouldn't have seen. And watch, it intrigued him. And so he sent. Now listen to me. If if I am occupied, I can walk right by something. There was a snake that came in our garage last Thursday. I was preoccupied watching John under the car, but Sherry sure, was not preoccupied. And so the next moment was snake. Two grown men got occupied <laughs> with the right thing. Now let me see where you're occupied, David who was God's man, had something unconverted that had so become a part of him that when he saw the woman naked, he took the next step. Now watch what it says here. He sent and inquired about the woman and one said, it doesn't even name who it is, one said, is this not Bathsheba, the daughter of Elam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite? Somebody pushed back. That was a no-no in that day because he was the king, but somebody had the audacity to obey God And to preach back to the man. But David sent messengers and took her. And she came to him and he lay with her. Now she had been purified herself from her uncleanness. Then she returned to her house. In other words, she just got beyond her period when David took her. She had no choice. He took her and he, listen to me, he raped her. And the woman conceived and she sent and told David, I'm pregnant. I wonder did that break your heart, what you just read? Can we own something together today? This man sinned against God? Against the dad of this girl and the mom? He sinned, he sinned against Uriah, who, by the way, was one of the 400, the original 400 that had left. I mean, this was his inner group. He sinned against him, he sinned against Bathsheba, and he sinned against himself. See, David's problem was this, that as a young man, David was told by Saul, if you'll go out and kill my enemies, I'll give you my younger, younger daughter for your wife. And he married her. So when David left, they, never, they were unequally yoked from the start. And so she didn't go with him. And when he left, he was out there with that foolish man, Naboth, who ended up dying. And he he liked Abigail because she was a godly woman, so he took her. So that's wife number two. And then he marries another one. By the time it's said and done, David has five wives at the same time. He has 20 children by those same same five wives. You you see that several times as we've walked this journey. And you say, well, you've never shared it. It's because I've been waiting for this time. See, if you've got something unconverted inside of you, it doesn't bother you. Unless something shakes you, it doesn't bother you. And I believe this, that in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, there's so few churches that are preaching against sin today that there's enough churches that don't, that churches are being filled by people today of preachers that are pacifying, by preachers that never deal with that, that preach on little little topics. You You say, why are you dealing with this today? Because it's where we are in the Bible. We systematically walk through the word of God. So when it comes, it comes. When it doesn't come, it doesn't come. And what I'm afraid of today in America is, this, is that we have at least two or three generations of people who go to church who say, I'm converted, but there's so much unconverted in us that America no longer looks for the church as the great hope of the world. You see, inside the church should be different than outside the church. And I'm not talking about the building, even though I believe in that as well, that there should be the uniqueness of who we are. What should be is like inside my home should be different than the person who's not in Christ. Not that I am better, for I am certainly not better in any way whatsoever. We're all sinners apart, but my house should be the place. It should be the place. It should be the lighthouse in the storm. It should be the place that, like my neighbor did years ago, I've been trying to reach him and reach him, and there was that morning that he ran to my house when his son had died suddenly of an overdose. He didn't run to the police. He didn't run to the ambulance. He ran to my house and said, Please help me, Pastor Keith. I didn't even know he knew my name. You see, here's the issue, is that we're wondering why the world is so dark. It's so dark is because there's the absence of the light out there. David was unconverted in this one area of his life, and he lived a double life. He would write in Psalm 32, 3 and 4, he said, when I kept silent, he said, my bones grew old. He said, I began to be weary. At night in the bed, I would drench my bed. He knew better. And that's why some people are staying home today watching online because they knew the passage I was coming to. How many men in this room, you've had multiple sex partners in your life. How many of you men will actually go online at night and watch a woman undress herself and you forget that she is the son and daughter of somebody. That we will laugh at a guy when he he violates a woman and we say nothing about her part. And we say nothing about the brokenness that's going on. And listen to me. When we listen, when we allow, listen to me, what God, God sent Jesus to create one man, one woman, one lifetime. And here's what that we do with this, friend. Listen to me. We, when now someone comes and they say, well, I think that even though I was born, well, they, and I, I don't identify as how I was born. And we say, well, that's their right to do that. Friend, listen to me. God created, it is his right to identify. And when we, when we put up with that, when we say, you know what we're doing? We're saying to somebody down the road, that person is not valuable enough to correct. And I want to tell you that in America, the church has been silent too long. These things would not be in Hollywood if you and I wouldn't pay for it. These things would not be on the vote. People would not, listen, the people that are running for public office, now you just go ahead and send it to me, Keith Joseph, Pastor Keith at at jacksonfbc.com. You send it to me. The people that are running for office would not even be allowed on the platform anywhere in America 50 years ago. Not a one of them, maybe one or two of them, but ones that don't have a chance in the world apart from God. Then what has happened is this, is that we've lost our moral and spiritual compass because we've got leaders that compromise We've got, here David is in his life. David had this secret sin in his life and now he sees this woman, he takes her and no one does anything about it. That's the problem. The problem is sin. And sin will destroy your influence. So let me ask you, is there something unconverted in you? I don't know. Is there something unconverted in you that if it comes out, it would damage you? Maybe a young guy you're dating, a young lady you're dating. Is there something unconverted inside of you that will destroy you? I knew as a little boy, Don, that inside of my life there was anger because that was what my daddy handed down to me. And I knew after I got saved that I did not want that to be unconverted in my life because I did not want to marry a woman and beat her when I got mad. I did not want to marry a woman and get pregnant when she got pregnant that I would beat my children because I did not know how to handle them. And so I realized that if I did not crush sin, that sin would crush me. And so I've lived all these years, and some of you say, I I, I still pray weekly, every week, God, let me not be an angry man. God, let me be a humble man. God, that's why right now in my life I'm digging harder in the Word of God than I've ever dug in my life. I'm praying more than I've ever prayed in my life because I see if David was a man after God's own heart and had something unconverted in his life, who am I? So I have work to do. So you would have thought that David in this moment, would you have not, that David would have repented, but David did not do that. When David heard the news, look in your Bible in verse 6, I need to go faster. So David sent a word to Joab, send me Uriah the Hittite. And Joab sent him. When he came, David asked how it was going in the battle. In verse 7, verse 8, he says, David said to him, go down to your house and wash your feet. You know what that means? It's go home, be with your wife. And the scripture says, and Uriah went out of his house And there followed him a a present from the king. But Uriah slept at the door of the king's house with all the servants of his lord and did not go down to his house. When they told David, Uriah did not go down to his house. David said to Uriah, have you not come from a journey? Why did you not go down to your house? And here's what he said. Here, watch, watch the biblical comp, compass, Brother Rick. Right here is this man with the spiritual compass. The ark of Israel and Judah dwell in the booze, and my Lord Joab and the servants of my Lord are camping in the open field. Shall I then go to my house to eat and drink and to lie, lie with my wife as you live and as your Lord's soul is? I will not do this. Oh, we're at war. And I want. That's what Joseph said when Potiphar's wife, in Genesis 39, said, sleep with me. He said, how can I do this great sin and sin against God? Speak the truth. Speak the truth and love. And listen to me. Uriah said, David, I love you. And so he kept him two more days, got him drunk and said, go down to your house. And he wouldn't go down to his house. And then he was sent to the commander of the army of Israel. He said, Joab, put him out in the battle, this man who's been with me, and put him in the front And when the battles at the hot pull back, in other words, he wanted to murder him. When sin is unconverted in your life, you'll murder character. You'll you'll murder anybody around you. No one has value when sin takes over. The Bible said the battle got hot. and, And listen to me, Uriah was left and he was killed because one man was living a double life. America is in the shape she's in today, much in part because the church of the Lord Jesus Christ is living a double life. The Bible says that Joab sends word that this has happened. And I want you to see David's words down in in verse 25. Then David said to the messenger, thus you shall say to Joab, do not let this matter displease you, for the sword devours one and another. Strengthen your attack against the city and overthrow it. And encouraged. When the wife of Uriah heard that Uriah, her husband, was dead, she lamented over her husband. And when the mourning was over, David sent and brought her to his house, and she became his wife and bore him a son. Wow, David, you got away with it. But the thing that David had done displeased the Lord. Friend, I want to tell you in this room today, I don't want to offend anybody, but there's one above all that I will not offend and do not want to offend that is my Lord. And so today, I will make no apology at the end of this message for preaching hard against sin because I would be offending my Lord. David took Bathsheba and married her and hoped, now, now watch this, how many of you know that news gets around? They nobody can hide anything. If, if there are three people in a room and you say, Tel, don't tell it before you get out of the room, one's either texted it or emailed it. And that's sadly another message. So there is the problem. Now let's identify the solution for the problem. The Bible says that that all these months have taken place. It's actually 16 months. There's a prophet in chapter 12, verse 1, whose name is, is Nathan, prophet of God. And the Bible says in verse 1 of chapter 12, he came to him and he puts forth this scenario. It's a simple one. Let me read it. There were two men in a certain city, the one rich, the other poor. The rich man had very many flocks and herds, but the poor man had nothing but one little lamb which he had bought. In other words, this guy had everything and he had nothing. And his children, he used to eat out of the morsel and drink from his cup and lie in his arms. And it was like a daughter to him. Now think about this. Now there came a traveler to the rich man and he was unwilling to, this man was willing to untake of his own flock or herd because that was what they did in that day. They would provide for them a meal. But he took the poor man's lamb and prepared it for the man who had come to him. Anybody seeing the story already? Then David's anger was greatly kindled against the man. And he said to Nathan, As the Lord lives, the man who has done this deserves to die. Now you say, wait a minute here now, David. David, you're not seeing like I am. And David said, He shall restore the lamb fourfold because he did this thing and because he had no pity. Now look at it right there in verse 7. Nathan said to David, I underlined it in my Bible, you are the man. In that moment, what was a little story of, of, of an earthly situation where that, that this man had got caught, and David said, if he gets caught, he should have to fourfold restore. But when he says to him, thou art the man, suddenly David realized the man who was rich was him, the man who had five wives with him, the man who was poor was Uriah, who he'd never shared with, and the man who had one lamb was 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 David and it was David's, David's woman he'd slept with. It was Uriah's wife, Bathsheba, and he himself, had violated her and killed him now here's the problem how do you restore something like that see there are some things in this life no matter what you do you can't make it right it is a lie from hell for someone to say oh if you'll just give your life to jesus there's no repercussions because they are there's the rugged cross there's not only the rugged cross, there is the memory. Now, God will forgive and do that, and we'll talk about that in a moment, but there is a price to pay. And I want to ask you this, for the wrongs that you have done, if you have, how do you restore that? How how could Uriah have earthly life again? How could Bathsheba go back, not having been, been into this moment of violation? How does she go back? Question, how do you go back? How do I go back? Listen, this is the question of our day. This is not something that we can just just dance around and say, oh, his words don't mean anything. That's just him or that's just her. Get over it. You don't get over it. Unless something happens. It is something that is so unique that it's often beyond belief. Christ can do what David could not do. Christ can do what I cannot do and what you cannot do. The Bible says this, that in Christ, he can take our sin and wash them away. He forgives us in the sight of God. You say, but, but Keith, I'm more concerned about people. You better not be. You better start right here first because if you cannot have forgiveness and peace with God, you see, if you don't have peace with God, you can't get peace with yourself. So David in this moment hears this, he hears this and he says, thou art the man. And as you read down through it, it's kind of like how you and I felt in this time. As we've heard these different things, we have to own the reality. The reality is that America's where she is because of our sin. And listen to me, the only way that we can overcome it is to own it. And then we own it, we got to get to work overcoming it. And that is simply doing this, setting your mind on things above and not on things of this earth. If your life has been hidden with Christ, seek those which things are above Colossians 3, 1 through 4. In other words, the Word of God becomes the priority. That is the solution. The Word of God shows you that you can be forgiven, that it can watch. It's not only forgiven in heaven, it's forgotten in heaven, Micah 5 and 19. He wipes it away. He said, but what about people? That, that, is a part of the, that is part of the brokenness of the world. There may be somebody that never forgives you this side of heaven, but I know this. If you give them Jesus and they get Jesus, they're just crazy, this power that they can forgive you even though that they never could have before. I can't, I can't explain it to you unless you've experienced it. Has anybody ever forgiven somebody in the room? Have you ever done it? Say amen if you have. You, you can only Christ. Only Christ, he looked before his accusers and looked to the Father on the cross. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. I want to tell you today that God's made me a forgiving man by the blood of Jesus Christ. Be kind, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as Christ has forgiven us. David couldn't do it. And Nathan brought the wood. We don't have time to read it, but Nathan brought the wood. He said, listen, God said, tell you this. He made you king. He gave you everything that you had. If that had not been enough, I'd have given you anything else that you needed. Why have you done this? So I want to ask you. I want to ask you. What's the problem in America? And what's the problem in your home if it's chaotic? What's the problem if you seem to never be able to get out of the darkness? I'm telling you, my, my heart was broken just about an hour and 10 minutes ago. Somebody shared a, a something extremely that, that I had hoped it wasn't true, that I heard that it was true. It just broke my heart. just broke my heart. But I know this that there's opportunity in Christ because David took the high road finally. After 16 months, look in verse 13. Nathan said, I have sinned against the Lord. Wow, wow, wow. I have sinned against the Lord. Is this what you need to do over an unconverted area? of your life? Have you sinned against your child, against your spouse, against your friend? Have you sinned against someone else previously? You say, are you saying God's not a God of a second chance? Are you saying that if if I'm divorced and remarried that I'm going straight to hell? No, I'm not. If you've given your life to Lord Jesus Christ, he is a God of second chance. He's a God of second, he's a God of a third chance, and I'm not saying that at all. But what I'm saying is this, if something's unconverted, it's unconverted and it's still in place. I told you there'd be part of it you wouldn't like. But you see, I've learned that in Christ, what I didn't like when I own it, I'm ready to overcome it. Some of you are locked in this burden. You're looking at it backwards. You're waiting. You're saying, I'll be better when that person asked me to forgive them of the wrong they did to me. There's no peace there. There's no peace there. I've actually had someone say to me years ago, will you forgive me? That didn't heal my heart. Only Christ can heal my heart. It's a good thing when they do that. It's a good thing. But if that's the thing that you're hanging everything on in this message today, if you're hanging it on that, that, that when I get retribution against them or when they ask for repentance, then I'll be better. Listen, it does not work that way. That doesn't fill the hole in your heart. What fills the hole in your heart is the forgiveness of God. And when you can come to the place that you can pray for them, And so here we are. David in this moment says, says, Lord, listen, Lord, I've sinned. Look what it says in the last part of the verse. And Nathan said to David, the Lord has also put away your sin and you shall not die. One of the great theologians of our day wrote about this. And if I can find it in my notes, because I've tried to obey the spirit. Listen to what he says. The emotional burden was gone for David. Like being freed from a 50 pound weight, the the forgiven sinner can walk with a light step the sun came up again. There are people that you need to tell something to, but there's some of you pleading, may somebody tell me. Well, today, receive this humble, unqualified, and fellow sinner's word to you. You are the man. And you are the woman. But you don't have to stay there. David was free in the moment that he repented. Thank you for joining us for the Awakened Life series. For more information about this series or to receive the companion book, you can reach out to us at info at jacksonfbc.com. May God richly bless you as you live the awakened life.